0: If you're visiting with us this weekend, welcome to Maranatha. As Pastor Cody said, um, we've been going through this series in the Ten Commandments. And at Maranatha, we value having children and youth um, together with adults as we seek to reach all generations for Christ. So as we worship together as the body of Christ, we love it when kids and, and youth are with us here in the services. And as part of this summer series, Pastor Luke's been writing this ongoing story about a boy named Timmy Taborski and his family, to help even the youngest disciples in our congregation understand how we can live out the Ten Commandments. There's a general format that we've been following for all of these sermons throughout the Ten Commandments, and it's looking first at the Old Testament, looking at the original background, and then looking into the New Testament, looking at what Jesus says and the apostles throughout the New Testament about the commandments, and then Finishing up by asking, you know, what does this mean today? How can we follow the commandments today? So as we begin today, I want to open a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. You have graciously revealed yourself to us through the written word, through your Son, the living word. We pray that as we look into the holy scriptures, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, convict us where we need to be convicted, but also. Remind us of the grace that is available through Jesus Christ and the death that he died in our place. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We don't do this often, but this morning we're going to start with a little pop quiz. So, if you have a piece of paper, pull it out and back your bulletin or maybe on your uh, phone. You got your notes notepad on your phone. Uh, you can, uh, If you have a piece of paper, you can write from 1 to 10. We're going to do a little little quiz. So it's just for fun. You're not going to be graded. You're not going to have to turn this in. Um, But if you're like me, it's easy to come on a Sunday morning and sit and listen to a sermon and and maybe not listen quite deeply enough to be able to then remember or regurgitate and share and reproduce what I learned on Sunday with someone else. And so for me, sometimes when I'm um, asked questions about what I'm learning, it sticks a little bit better in the gray matter between my ears. And so Find a piece of paper or your smartphone or something to write on your neighbor's neck or hand or whatever. So on, on there, write 1 to 10, and then without using your Bible or your neighbor or Google, see how many of the 10 commandments you can list out in the correct order, all right? So you don't have to write out the full commandment, just a word or two that, that gets at the heart of the commandment. If you can do that, you get credit for it. So I'm going to give you just about a minute to do that, starting now. Time's up, so I'm not going to do a show of hands, but I'm just you know, kind of curious how many think that they, they did pretty well. How many feel pretty, pretty good about how, how that went? Uh, here. Some of you are like, uh, maybe we need to go to Sunday school again a little bit. All right, so we're going to do this one more time, but there's an additional rule here. Now you can use your neighbor. It's still not open book or uh, open Google, but you can check with your neighbors around you and see if together you can get A few more of your blanks filled out, so another 60 seconds, ready, go, work together. give another 30 seconds 10 seconds that's okay i've got it on my phone here All right, time's up. Okay, so did you get a few more blanks filled in, working together, helping each other out? So here, here we go. First one is about God, right, worshiping God alone. Second one is about idols, having no idols. So if you put anything related to idols on there, you got it. Third one is about the name of God. Don't take the name of God in vain. Fourth one is the Sabbath. It has to do with honoring the Sabbath, keeping it holy. The fifth one has to do with honoring your parents, honor your father and mother. Number six, don't kill. Seven, no adultery. Eight, do not steal. Nine, do not lie or give false testimony. And number 10, do not covet. So, all right, so some of you are like, okay, wow, I maybe didn't remember these as well as I thought. well, I came up, I, I have to have devices and things to help me remember things. Michelle, my wife, has a phenomenal memory. I do not. All throughout college and seminary, you look in my notes, I always had these little acrostics and acronyms and listing. So I came up with one. It may help you. It may absolutely not help you. So if it does, great. If it doesn't, then just forget about it. But a phrase that says, God is now showing parents and kids all sin leads to Christ. And by leading to Christ, meaning all sin shows us our need for Christ. So God is now showing parents and kids all sin leads to Christ. So do we have that list up there then? with the, Did you have that already? So you can see that each letter in that phrase, first letter, corresponds with a first letter. So God idol god as first ones about god's the i and is idols and so on and so forth so i don't know those those sort of things sometimes help me if you can remember a phrase like that god is now showing us through the ten commandments god is showing parents and kids that all sin leads to christ it shows us our need for christ and that little phrase can maybe help you remember it another thing that is very helpful for kids and adults alike are songs and there's a song that we learned when i was a kid growing up called the perfect ten we're not going to play it for you this morning um, but it goes through the Ten Commandments. There's other ones out there. The the Go Fish guys have, have one, the, the Ten Commandment Boogie, I think it's called. Um, but yeah, just when you go home, if you want to find a song, just Google songs to help with the Ten Commandments or the Perfect Ten. So why is that important? Um, I think it's important because today our biblical literacy, our knowledge of the Bible is lacking. And that's something that we're trying to help gr- develop in our kids and youth ministry. And in youth ministry, on Sunday, when during the school year on Sunday mornings, we have a, a three-year curriculum that we've kind of developed using the, the videos from the Bible Project to help grow our young people that participate in their biblical literacy and their knowledge of the Bible, knowing about God ultimately. The Bible is a means not just to know these facts and to be able to memorize things so that we can impress others, but it's about ultimately knowing the person, God, what he's like and his plan of salvation for our lives. So bonus question, can you name the, uh, the book and chapter in the Bible where you can find the Ten Commandments listed? Exodus 20. There's another place. Anyone know that? Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5. So Good. So for me, if I at least know like the book or especially the book and the chapter, That's really helpful, right? Because I may not remember all the things that I learned in seminary, but I remember, okay, I I know that was in that book, and I can hunt it down. Obviously, Google makes it a lot easier these days. You can just type it in and figure it out. But it's great if we know it um, and don't have to depend on devices to find it. So, So during every sermon in this series, we have repeated one singular big idea regarding the Ten Commandments and their purpose for our lives. It goes like this. The Ten Commandments help us turn to Jesus, As we see our sins and guide us to love God and others. The Ten Commandments help us turn to Jesus as we see our sins and guide us to love God and others. Pastor and author Kevin DeYoung says it well when he writes We will find that the law drives us to our knees, shows us our sin, and leads us to the cross. We need forgiveness. You may remember that the first four commandments deal largely with our vertical relationship with God, whereas commandments 5 through 10 address horizontal relationships with other people. Even so, we are wise to remember King David's prayer in Psalm 51, where he confessed his sins of adultery and murder to God, acknowledging that they, like all sin, are first and foremost sins against a holy God, even when they are perpetrated against other human beings. Well, today we're examining commandment number eight, which is you shall not steal. So let's begin by examining the original context of this command from the Old Testament. I'm going to follow Pastor Luke's lead and try and walk us through. So we're going to camp out here as we examine some things from the Old Testament. What is the Old Testament context for this command? Simply in Exodus 20, 15, it says you shall not steal. As I was talking with Michelle and Pastor Luke this week, I was like, It's pretty straightforward. I could probably just say that and then go sit down, right? So and you guys would be happy maybe if I did that. But I did end up coming up with a few more pages of things to reflect on. It's very straightforward, but there is more to it that that we're going to look at as well. The eighth commandment to steal, it's pretty clear. And as with all commandments, this command not to steal shows us how to live in the way that God intended so that we might live rightly and enjoy the blessings of following God's design for this world. The commands reveal things about God, and this command not to steal reveals that God is a God of justice. God doesn't want us to live in fear of people taking things from us. And God is for us. We must always keep that in mind, especially as we go through the commandments. God is for us. He gives commands for our good, not to make our lives miserable. We see numerous examples of stealing in the Old Testament, and they are always wrong. As we examine the Old Testament, we'll look at several different types of stealing that God speaks against. The Eighth Commandment, it for, forbids, perhaps most obviously, theft and robbery. This may be the most obvious type of stealing that we think of when we, when we read that command, you shall not steal. And for some of you, you cannot think of a single time in your life when you stole something from someone else. And while I was not uh, a regular thief growing up, I do recall a, one time in particular when I did steal something. Lisa was like a sister to me growing up on the farm. She lived just down the road, and I was probably in upper elementary at the time, maybe middle school. Our family had been over to Lisa's house, visiting with her family, and us kids loved to roller skate on the bare concrete floor in their basement. They had a pool table, and we'd roller skate around that thing as fast as we could, holding on to the corner pockets and whipping ourselves around there. We were playing, hanging out, but at some point during our our visit on this particular time, Lisa showed us her Ziploc bag full of Kool-Aid points. Perhaps some of you remember how on Kool Aid packets there used, or canisters, there used to be these points that you could cut out and collect and then mail them in to redeem cool prizes. And the larger the canister of Kool Aid, the higher the point value. On those single packet, single serve kind of packets, it was like one point. Uh, but the 32 quart container was worth 48 points. Lisa had some of the larger value points, so I took one put it in my pocket. When I got home and my brothers realized what I had done, they ratted me out to mom, of course. So mom said, no, you got to go back and return that and confess your sin to your friend, your neighbor. So as I And we lived just a quarter mile down the road. So I rode my, my bicycle over there. I was nervous. I didn't want to tell her what I had done, right? I was embarrassed. And so I came up with a plan of how to save face. I would just lie to cover up my sin of stealing from my friend, right? Isn't that how it works? So I came up with some lie about forgetting a pair of socks at her house. And so when I got over there, I had the Kool-Aid points in my pocket there, right? And I'm looking around in the house and then I just kinda happened to go in the room where the Kool-Aid points were contained and I just kinda set it down discreetly so hopefully nobody would notice what was going on and didn't find the socks that I didn't leave there because I didn't leave them there. Um, And then I went home, trying to cover it all up, right? Um, I learned later that they totally knew what I was doing, and I thought I had gotten away with it, but I didn't. Well, Exodus 22.1, it makes it clear that God takes stealing very seriously. It says, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. In the Old Testament, if you stole something from someone else, you couldn't simply make it right by returning the stolen item, like I tried to deceitfully do. You're required to repay four or five times as much as you stole. In Exodus 22:3, it says a thief must certainly make restitution. But if he has nothing, he himself must be sold to pay for his theft. God takes stealing seriously. There are serious consequences for stealing, even to the point of a person having to be sold as an indentured servant to pay off their debt. So do not steal through theft or robbery. In the Eighth Commandment, God also forbids stealing from others through deceitful business practices. Sadly, kind of like it is today, it was also common during the Old Testament times for people to steal from one another through deceitful business practices. There are numerous places in the Old Testament where God forbids the use of dishonest weights, Deuteronomy 25, 13 to 16 says, Do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have two differing measures in your home, one large and one small. You must have accurate and honest weights and measures. So you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. You see, many items in those days, like a lot of items in our day today as well, they were sold by weight, right? So you could cheat someone by having differing weights. And that would happen. And in effect, people would pay for maybe five pounds of chicken, but in, in effect, they would actually only get like four and a half pounds of chicken because the person selling it had monkeyed with the weights that they had on their, on their scale. And God wanted it to be clear that while people may get away with that sort of thing, from an earthly perspective, God sees and God detests those sort of practices. So do not steal through deceitful business practices. There's two other forms of stealing identified in the Old Testament book of Malachi that we often overlook when we think about what stealing includes. The first is not paying workers fair wages. We see this in Malachi 3.5. In this verse, the Lord himself is speaking. He's warning the people that he will be quick to testify against a list of sinful people, which includes those who defraud laborers of their wages. See, God has a great concern for those who are vulnerable in society. And God provided numerous laws throughout the Old Testament to help protect those people who could otherwise be taken advantage of. God's chosen people were meant to be different from the world around them in the way that they cared for the vulnerable and protected them. Regular laborers were among those who could be cheated out of fair pay for their labor. They didn't have many options available for filing grievances or fighting to get the fair pay for their work. They didn't have same sort of avenues that we have today for people to try and fight for what's right in regards to their payment for their work. God considers this sort of thing stealing. An employer who hires people and does not pay them what they promised is stealing from vulnerable workers who are often just trying to make ends meet and provide food for their own family. So do not steal by withholding fair pay from your employees. There's a second form of stealing mentioned in Micah 3 as well that we often overlook withholding tithes and offerings from God. We see this in Micah 3, 8 through 10. God is speaking and he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And God continues and says this, Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. We hear this, but we don't always think this way. Everything we have belongs to God. Our money, our house, our car, our boat, our vacation home, our church buildings, our cell phone, our time, our talents, our giftedness, all of it belongs to God. And yet we often live as though we are owners instead of stewards. Stewards. We think we deserve what we have because we have worked hard for things. Rather than remembering that every good gift comes from the Father and ultimately God owns everything because he created everything. When we hold tightly onto the things that we have, not being willing to share them to help others or to use them for God's glory, we are stealing from God. When we hold tightly to our money, we're telling God we don't trust him enough to give him Of our tithes and offerings when we withhold giving to God we are stealing we are not stealing from other people in this case as much as we are stealing from God himself so do not steal by withholding your tithes and offerings from God remember this as well remember that God has given us commands to guide us into a good life and to lead us into blessings not to take away our fun or to take away our freedom can you imagine if we lived in a world where it was entirely acceptable for people to steal whatever they wanted? That would be a very scary world. Sadly, there are plenty of people who do live as though that were true. And yet there are, as many people, there are many people as well who know that stealing is wrong and they even go out of their way to return to people what rightly belongs to them. Have you ever lost something? Something valuable and then had someone return it to you and be blessed by that? Well, during our UK vision trip to visit the Brogan family in July, we were in the airport in London preparing for our return flight to the U.S. It was minutes before we were about to board our plane when one of our team members realized that she had lost her cell phone. That's a big deal, especially when you're not just at the neighbor's house or down the road, but when you're in another country, to lose your cell phone is a little bit disconcerting. After calling it twice, someone answered it and we learned that the team member had mistakenly left it in a souvenir shop on the other side of the airport. So rather than keeping the phone, trying to sell it or steal data from it, the employee at the store answered it and informed us where it was so that the rightful owner could get it back. That was indeed a huge blessing. It involved a sprint through the airport, but nonetheless, the phone was returned and we all made it back onto the plane you imagine if everyone in the world followed God's command not to steal? You see, the command, you shall not steal, is a very good command. In several places, we see that God's desire with his command is to bless us, not to harm us. Deuteronomy 25, which we looked at earlier, says in there we see that God wants us to use these accurate weights and measures. But he gives the reason. He says, so that we may live long in the land the Lord is giving us. And then again in Micah 3, when God confronts the people for robbing him of their tithes and offerings, God challenges them to test him by being obedient in this area of lives uh, of their lives and to see what happens. And God said, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have room enough for it. This beautiful picture of God wanting to meet our needs abundantly. He wants to bless us by taking care of our needs. He doesn't want to take from us. He wants us to trust him enough with what he gives us so we are content. We don't feel the need to steal from others or from him. So now that we've examined what the Old Testament teaches about the command, you shall not steal, let us now look a little bit at the New Testament. We see a number of parallels between the Old Testament teaching and the New Testament teaching regarding stealing. In the New Testament, God continues to speak against theft and robbery. Ephesians 4.28 says let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need god created work before adam and eve sinned in the garden of eden work in and of itself is a good thing it is true that our work has been cursed because of sin but god can still receive honor and glory when we use the gifts and talents that he has given us to work and earn a living This is especially true when we work honestly and live generously, sharing with those in need. God is certainly not glorified when we steal to get what we want or steal because we are too lazy to work hard ourselves. In the New Testament story of Zacchaeus, we see that when someone experiences the love and forgiveness of God through Christ, as Zacchaeus did, they stop using deceitful business practices. That was was how Zacchaeus got his livelihood as a tax collector. And he stopped using deceitful business practices to steal from others, and instead, he paid back four times the amount stolen, just as we saw was commanded in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God condemns stealing from people by not paying them fair wages for their work. In James 5.4, it says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And in Colossians 4:1 it says masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And then in the New Testament we see that God wants us to trust him through the giving of tithes and offerings and using our gifts and talents for his kingdom. We see in the story of the widow who gave the mite, the small coin. She gave all that she had to live on and she trusted God to provide for her. And this act of faith is commended by Jesus in Luke 21. God teaches us through the Apostle Paul that our giving most glorifies God when it is done with a joyful heart, not under compulsion or with reluctance. Many of you are familiar with the parable Jesus tells in Matthew 25 about a master who gave three of his servants bags of gold according to their abilities. One received five, another received two, and another received one. And there was an expectation that came with this. An expectation that they would use wisely what the master had entrusted them with. Whether it was much or little, the expectation was the same. And God is asking each of us to be faithful with what he has given us, whether that is much or little. Some of us have not been given as many talents as the next guy. But that doesn't matter. God is asking each of us simply to be faithful in using what he has given us for his good. Even though there are numerous parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament regarding the commandment to steal, we see several expansions of the Eighth Commandment in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's an emphasis on being content with what we have. When we learn to be content with what we have, the temptation to steal from others radically diminishes. Hebrews thirteen five says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In Edmund Clowney's book, How Jesus Transforms the Ten Commandments, which I borrowed from one of the other pastors this week, says the the way in which Jesus transforms the Eighth Commandment is by helping us set our hearts on true treasure. For he, Jesus, is himself the treasure that we must value above all else, above all others. So this is how the Eighth Commandment, Do Not Steal, is being transformed in the New Testament. Instead of focusing on material things, God wants us to find our ultimate treasure, our ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. See, the Bible demonstrates that there is value in owning private property. It's not wrong or sinful to own material things. However, the heart of the matter comes down to a matter of the heart. Jesus teaches that where your heart is, there your treasure is, Matthew 6. If you spend your life storing up treasures on earth, you will only be disappointed. But if you learn to find your ultimate satisfaction in Jesus, you will always be satisfied. So now that we have looked at the original context of the Eighth Commandment in the Old Testament, and we have seen how it is affirmed and expanded in the New Testament, let us transition to the so what question. How should we follow the command today? How should we respond to the reality that we have broken this command. As I mentioned before, we tend to think of this command to not steal very narrowly, physically taking something that belongs to another person or company, whether it's money, a cell phone, credit card, a toy or candy from a store without paying for it, or for some people, Kool-Aid points. As we think about how this commandment applies to us today and what we ought to include in our understanding of stealing, there are a variety of other ways that we can be guilty of stealing as I reflected on this preparing for the sermon. So I'm going to have a list of of things, and I cut a handful out as well uh, as I brainstormed a long list, but let me share with you a few of the things that maybe we don't always think of when we think of stealing. How about illegally downloading things from the internet? Illegally downloading things that we have not rightfully purchased or don't have a license for, whether it's music, computer software, videos, or other things. If you do that, you're stealing. Or another example is maybe printing your Christmas letters using your work printer at your workplace without permission or without paying for using the printer personally. If you do that, you're stealing. Identity theft is another example. Using someone else's social security number to file taxes or using someone else's identity to take out a loan and not pay it back. That's stealing. Some of you have been on the the victim side of that and, and know how devastating that can be another example is when we when we selfishly withhold all our resources including our not just our finances but our time and talents as well we're stealing from the lord and from the body of christ some of you have been stealing from god for years and it's time to see it for what it is to be confronted by your sin and brought to your knees in repentance and then to turn to jesus for forgiveness and ask the holy spirit for the courage the boldness the strength and the power to change To begin living generously with your time, talents, and finances. Loving others in the name of Christ. For some of you, that may be as simple as contacting Pastor Luke today and telling him that you want to help build up the body of Christ through serving in kids ministry. Maybe that would start with VBS tomorrow. Or maybe that would start with Awana or Sunday school in September. For others of you, you've been robbing God because you haven't trusted that he would meet your needs financially. And so you have justified not giving back to God through the ministry of the local church to help build up his kingdom and spread his good news in Barron County and beyond. And we're not here to tell you what that should look like. But I can tell you from personal experience that it is often scary to trust God with your finances, trying to be faithful and giving to the ministry of the local church when you don't always know where ends are going to meet. But God is good and God is faithful. And what he ultimately wants is for you and for me to trust him and to depend on him He says, test me, test me and see if I won't open up the floodgates and take care of every single one of your needs. When we are faithful, he allows us to experience the joy of being part of what he is doing, a work that is global in scale and eternal in its impact. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? Another example of stealing for us today is stealing time from your employer by taking breaks when you don't have permission or clocking in or clocking out in a deceitful way that cheats your employer out of money. That you didn't honestly earn. Or maybe you're an employer and perhaps God is convicting you of stealing from your employees but not following through on your promises to them in regards to contracts for payment or pay or benefits or other things. How about cutting corners and filing your taxes, conveniently forgetting to include those side jobs that you did for cash, justifying and rationalizing it however you can. Or insurance fraud, claiming the damage to your siding was from a recent storm though you know that it truly was from when your kids were learning to swing a baseball bat months ago. That's not called working the system, that's called stealing. If you're capable of working and providing for yourself and your family, but you find it easier to depend on the help of government programs or the generosity of churches in the community or nonprofit organizations to provide for your needs, that's stealing. And I'm not talking about people who genuinely are in need and cannot work. Make sure you hear me on that. That's not at all what I'm talking about because I feel very strongly that the church should be, the, 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 the body of Christ should be the one to lead the way in caring for people who have needs in our community, not the government. People like one of our youth group members, Peyton Cooper's family, who's battling autoimmune diseases, requiring frequent trips to Mayo and Rochester, as well as some visits this year to Texas and Arizona for specialized medical testing. Peyton's mom had to resign from her full-time work as a CNA to care for Peyton. And as the church, we had the opportunity a week and a half ago to help them move. It was a blessing to us, I think, as much as it was a blessing to them. And those youth and adults who came and helped were representing Christ well by showing love to this family. Those who have helped support this family financially from the church are doing a great thing. And that's part of what the church should be doing in the name of Christ. However, if if someone is able to work, then they ought to stop stealing from others and use the gifts God has given them to work. In that passage in Ephesians, it says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. And it's such a blessing to be able to be in that place where you have more than what you need, and you can share with others. Kids and teens can steal from their parents by ignoring time limits parents set for screen time, video games, reading books, hanging out with friends, or being on your phone, or other things. When you take more time to do these things than what you were given permission for, you are stealing. So here's a list of examples, perhaps for us today to think about as it concretely applies to our lives. But ultimately, hear this. God cares not just about us legalistically following these various applications of the commandment not to steal. God cares more about our heart. He wants us to see our sin for the ugly, wretched thing that it is and to repent in humility with soft hearts, turning to Jesus for forgiveness. And he also wants us to learn to be content with what we have. He desires for us to find our deepest satisfaction in our relationship with him, not in the things we own. God also wants us to not just refrain from stealing, but to do the opposite, to live generously, giving of our time, our talents, and our possessions to bless those around us. As a kid or teen, What if instead of focusing so much on spending your time and money on things that you want, you came together as a family to discuss ideas of how you could be a blessing to another family in need, either by giving a day as a family to help a family in need with some yard work or using your savings to donate to help the Stojkovic family with their adoption expenses or maybe to send a care package to a missionary family? As a business owner, what would it take for your business to be known as one that takes good care of its employees, paying them fair wages, providing time off, offering basic benefits? What if people talked about your business, saying things like, yeah, the owners, they're Christians, and so they try really hard to take good care of their employees. Plus, they're honest in how they do business, never cheating customers. It's an amazing place to work. Or as employees, what would happen if you didn't waste time at work slacking off or taking care of personal business while you're on the clock? How would that change your relationship with your employer as brothers and sisters in christ as part of the church what would happen if we all asked god what he wanted us to do with our time our talents our finances how we can best serve him and then we radically obeyed him let us all commit together not to steal not just in the narrow sense of stealing but in the broader sense of stealing as well may we all be people who more and more find our deepest satisfaction in knowing christ and making him known And when you look in the mirror and you see that you have been guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment by stealing, whether in the narrow sense or in the broader sense, allow that realization to humble you, to bring you to your knees in repentance, and then turn to Jesus, the one who never stole, the one who lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could take your sin and mine, to the cross and nail it there, that we might be forgiven and live free. Surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and receive God's gracious forgiveness. And then, out of the overflow of that fountain of grace that God washes us with, may we together love God and love others, extending the same grace to those around us so that we might help them come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, for Christ and his kingdom. Remember, the Ten Commandments help us turn to Jesus as we see our sins, and they guide us to love God and love others. Invite Pastor Luke to come. and Pastor Luke, got our Timmy story, maybe? Maybe? All right.
1: Ready for chapter nine? All right. After an extremely hot July, August brought so much, or such pleasant afternoons to Spice Lake, ones with the cool breeze that didn't make you feel like the air was sticking to your sweaty face. It was still warm, but it's what the Taborskis always called good camping weather because the idea of a fire at night was actually pleasant, as there was a slight chill in the air when the sun went down. Timmy was thankful for this change, for he thought it was the perfect weather to play baseball. And on this particular Tuesday afternoon, the Spice Lake Salamanders had a game. Woo! Timmy was thankful for this. Oh, so just kidding. Timmy's mom dropped him off at the field ten minutes early, like usual, as he liked to get a couple practice swings in before the rest of the team arrived. He felt good about today, and he felt good about the Spice Lake Salamanders' chance at getting another win. As he got to the field, he sat down on his team's bench and put his bag down between his feet so he could easily bend down and retrieve his gum. His mom had bought him a multi-pack from Costco at the beginning of the summer because he told her it made him feel like a professional baseball player when he chewed it out on the field. He also claimed it'd help him stay more focused during the game. So each practice and each game, Timmy would pop a piece of watermelon bubble gum in his mouth before setting foot on the field. Timmy bent down and unzipped the side pocket of his bag where he always stored the pack of gum. <gasps> Nothing. He then unzipped the main part of his bag as sometimes he accidentally would place his gum in there. Searching around with his eyes and hands, he couldn't see or feel a single piece of gum. Starting to become more frustrated, he realized he must have finished the pack of gum that was in there and forgotten to grab another one from the stash in his bedroom. With this realization, Timmy figured he would just have to ask his mom for a piece when she returned to watch the game. He was disappointed that he wouldn't have it for his warm-up, but he would have to make do. After a few minutes, the rest of the team members started showing up and piling their bags in the Spice Lake Salamanders bench before heading to the field to practice. After a while of throwing the ball to each other, Coach Mark called the team together. The game was now about to start. The seats were filling up, and Timmy was frantically looking around. He didn't see any sign of his mom. He really didn't want to go through the game without the intensity he felt gum-chewing gave him. As he continued to scan the bleachers, Timmy spotted an open backpack on his team's bench, and right there on top was a pack of watermelon bubblegum. By now, the team was already The team had already been given their instructions for the game and were being sent to the field. After a five-second argument with himself in his head, Timmy decided that he would take a piece. After all, whoever owned the gum would have surely given him a piece if he would have asked. So, it was fine. As soon as he popped that piece of gum in his mouth, it was filled with the burst of juicy watermelon flavor you get when a fresh piece of gum gets bit into for the first time. But that wasn't the only thing that happened for with the first burst of flavor in his mouth also came an uneasy feeling in his stomach. Timmy tried to shake the feeling the entire game, but couldn't. The Spice Lake Salamanders did win, and though it wasn't Timmy's best game, he, did, he had done a really nice job pitching a couple fastballs. Yet Timmy didn't feel like celebrating when it was all over, and quietly got into the backseat of his mom's minivan. "'Way to go, sweetie,' Mrs. Taborski said with a smile as Timmy closed the door to the back seat. Rosemarie then went into the little chant she had made with her mom and screamed every time Timmy got to the mound to pitch. Look at that pitcher! I'm his little sister! Woo-hoo! Thanks, guys, Timmy responded with way less enthusiasm than Rosemarie, which, to be honest, was quite easy. Everything okay, hon? his mom asked. Yeah, yeah, everything's okay, Timmy said, not wanting to tell her what he had done. Once they arrived home, Timmy washed up to get ready for dinner and joined the rest of the family around the table for the not-so-typical Taco Tuesday meal. You see, because Timmy's dad had to stay a little later at work and couldn't come to his game, he went straight home and was in charge of dinner. This meant the taco meat was a little browner than usual. But with enough sour cream, you couldn't really tell. After dinner, Mr. Taborski pulled out his Bible and turned to Exodus 20 once again and read the verse and read verse 15, You shall not steal timmy became wide-eyed and stared straight down at the table what are some ways that we might steal mrs oh just kidding what are some ways we might steal mr taborski asked "Uh, taking things from the store without paying rosemary jumped in excited excited to know an answer that's one way mrs taborski said any other ideas timmy remained silent but jonathan said well cheating in school or at work would be stealing as well wouldn't it Definitely, Mr. Taborski affirmed. And then he went on to explain that we can steal in many different ways. Answers from a test, a candy bar from a store, or taking a toy that doesn't belong to us. He then went on to say, stealing is a big deal, but when someone steals, it has to do with what is going on in their heart. If someone feels the need to take something that isn't theirs in any way, their heart and mind aren't remembering truth. The truth that Jesus is enough, and no matter what we go through, we can be content. He then flipped to Philippians four eleven. He said, "Many people misquote this, these verses, thinking that means that they mean you can do anything we want because Jesus is on our side. But instead, Paul is saying no matter what he has or what he goes through, he is content because Christ is enough. Here's what it says: For I have learned the con- I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances." "'I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. "'I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, "'whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty and want. "'I can do everything through him who gives me strength. "'We must always find contentment in Christ. "'I'm sure if Paul didn't, he would have wanted to steal food when he was hungry, "'but instead he believed God would provide. "'Timmy sat in silence. He was sure his heart was beating loud enough for everyone else to hear. Then finally he burst out with, I stole a piece of gum, followed by a stream of tears. A piece of gum, Jonathan said, asking as though he wasn't sure a gum was a cause for tears. What are you talking about, Timmy? Mrs. Taborski asked. Timmy explained what had happened, and that it even led him to lie to his mom earlier because he hadn't truly felt fine all afternoon or evening. Timmy, I'm glad you told us, Mr. Taborski said, and I'm glad you felt miserable about it. You are, asked Rosemary. You are, Timmy repeated the question through his tear-filled eyes. Yes, God's Spirit lives in you, and he convicted you of something that God desires for you to repent of. God's Spirit guides you in ways to bring glory to him, to obey him with our whole lives. And when we disobey his leading, we often feel bad. Timmy did already feel better now that he had said something out loud. Mr. Taborsi led the family in prayer, asking God for forgiveness for not always finding all we need in Jesus. He then encouraged Timmy to say a personal prayer of repentance. Timmy was nervous to do so, but he did, asking God to forgive him for being disobedient and taking a piece of gum that wasn't his. Later that night, Mrs. Taborsi sat with Timmy, and they decided Timmy would need to figure out who he took the gum from and ask for forgiveness at his next baseball practice from them as well. This made him nervous too, but he knew it was the right thing. That night, as Timmy laid down for bed, he thanked God. He thanked God for forgiving him, and he thanked God for Jesus. He also asked God that he would be like Paul, who knew God so well that he went through good and bad times fully trusting him. And with those prayers, Timmy drifted off to sleep. You can go back to your seat.
0: Thank you, Pastor Luke. Thank you, kids, for listening so well. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this word that you have challenged us with about stealing. Help us to allow our hearts to be convicted of sin where it's appropriate. Help us to experience the grace and forgiveness that you make available through Jesus Christ as well. I pray as we close our service and worship that we would be able to sing praise to your name with hearts that are cleansed because of the work that Christ has done and to go out serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I invite you to stand and join in worship.